0: Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hello and good afternoon, my AOWs. I'm so excited to be recording today. This is the first official podcast of 2023. I have a new podcast cover. I don't know if you've noticed, but the talented, lovely web designer who is revamping my website, uh, who is also one of my best friend's sister-in-law's, kind of, it's its complicated. Uh, she has been working on my website and we are revamping that because 2023 is going to be a big year especially with my book coming out and all the plans that I have. And she just threw me a new podcast cover. She said, hey, what do you think about this? And I loved it. So I don't know what you think of the new podcast cover. I probably won't know since, again, podcasting is kind of a black hole. But I hope that you like it. And I'm wondering how your 2022 ended and how your 2023 is starting. I love the new year. I always love writing my goals for the year. I love looking back to see what I accomplished in 2022, and it's just a great time to reflect and really feel like you're starting fresh. Today's episode, I wanted to talk about perimenopause, but of course I wanted to spend the first few minutes just kind of catching up with you, since it has been a while since I did a solo cast, since I updated you on all of the things and tell you a little bit about my goals for 2023. I have one goal for 2023, and it sounds really wild to say it out loud, but I have to tell you guys, and I want my book to hit the New York Times bestseller list. So my book comes out June 6th, 2023. If you didn't know, you can already purchase it on Amazon, Of course, my agent would tell me not to tell you that because she would say, make sure you tell people closer to when the book actually comes out. Uh, But pre-orders are actually really helpful because it helps my publishing house know, oh, there's already a little bit of demand for this book before it actually really hits the shelves or before that big launch, you know, a few weeks before the book comes out. So you can pre-order it. Uh, It's Unlock Your Menopause Type. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it in the link in my bio on uh, Instagram and TikTok, and uh, I'm super excited for it to come out. I have read it like five times now, and it, while it's a really awesome book, I have to keep reading through it to make sure um, as it goes to each stage of production that there are no errors. Um, and so I know this book inside and out, and it's just such an amazing, amazing book. So that's really one of my goals for 2023. Um, but the reason I'm thinking about my book and perimenopause is that my book is is not really about perimenopause. My book is really about menopause. And I think perimenopause deserves its own book. I know, I'm so wild. Writing a book was one of the hardest things I have ever done. And the reason it was so hard is my writer, Stacy Colino, the wonderful and talented Stacey Colino, made me dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper every time I gave her my ideas, my concepts, my explanations. She was like, "More, more, more." Um, and it was really, really difficult. And I was working at, at in at the Brigham. I had a preemie at the time. Um, I, you know, I, I had two other children, a full-time job uh, running this Instagram podcast blah 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 and writing a book. It was absolutely wild but it's kind of like having childbirth amnesia where you're like, oh, I can do that again. <laughs> you know, so I really want to um, put out into the world that I I would be interested in writing a book all about perimenopause. Now, one of the arguments is, is certainly, aren't they going to be very similar? Won't there be a lot of concepts that are the same? And actually, I I I think... <laughs> Uh, While well, I'm a little bit of a masochist, I think no. I think no. I think perimenopause is really, truly, fundamentally so different than menopause. So, this kind of segues into I want to talk about perimenopause today. And uh, I'm seeing patients at MIDI Health. If you don't know, you should probably do, but I uh, uh, moved, moved to upstate New York, where I'm originally from, and I'm helping to build MIDI Health, which is a virtual platform for midlife and menopause and all of the things women's health. And I have begun to seek patients, uh, which is wonderful because my patients inspire me. My patients give me, you guys give me all the ideas for what I want to talk about on the show, on YouTube, etc. But I've had a lot of women coming for perimenopause lately. And the differences between perimenopause and menopause are really, really comes down to one big concept. Which is what your hormones are doing. In perimenopause, the hormones are very volatile. They're fluctuating significantly. They're declining, but then they're surging and then they're crashing down. And then there's periods of lows where they're not really doing anything. And then again, there's periods where they're crashing up and down again. Menopause, on the other hand, your hormones, and when I say hormones, I'm really referring to the big three: estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Are really just pretty much doing nothing. Like <laughs> you know, menopause, you really don't make any of those hormones anymore. You may make a little, you could argue, but they are very, very small amounts. So you just have this low level of, uh, really, you know, very little if any hormones versus perimenopause where you have all that volatility in your hormones and this really does in my mind equate to really two different types of pictures for women who depending on if you're in perimenopause or menopause if you're in menopause you've already gone through perimenopause so you kind of already can feel that difference but I think this is the foundation for what makes two totally different books here is that perimenopause you are still dealing with periods irregular periods, changing periods, unpredictable periods, heavier periods. And I am right there with you. You know, I, 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 it is very upsetting. It's very annoying. It's very life disturbing to have all of these things in midlife and then just have all this wackadoo bleeding here, there, everywhere. Uh, You feel like you can't find pads and tampons to help enough. You just feel like everything is happening in the world around you, and yet you have to deal with the fact that you are still bleeding. It It is a thing. Symptoms are starting like you're feeling more anxiety, very commonly. You're having insomnia. You're not sleeping. You're having some change in libido or painful sex. And for far too long, we have really not defined what perimenopause is when it starts, what's the average age, what to look out for. And so you just, without the concept of perimenopause, without knowing that this, the etiology of this could be due to changing in hormone levels, a couple of things can happen. Either we start you know, searching the depths of the internet for what the heck could be wrong with us, uh, or we just keep pushing through it because women are constantly and consistently told, this is normal, this is natural, just push through it. You know, and or we're just so busy with so many other things that we let our health really fall to the wayside and we just deal with it while putting everyone before us. And so perimenopause is a completely separate thing from menopause. Menopause is, uh, for many women, uh, pretty obvious because periods completely stop uh, and there are symptoms and there are body changes. And while we're lucky that in 2022, 2023, there is more information about midlife and menopause, mostly via social media. We basically, at at the very minimum, know that our periods stop at some point. I think we, we I think we, hopefully, learn that. So, so it, it does make a difference between uh, perimenopause and menopause that our bodies do respond really differently to both of these situations. But let's really give perimenopause the attention it deserves for the next, you know, part of this show. Perimenopause with this volatility in hormones can cause so many different symptoms than menopause, but also some of the same, you know, certainly hot flashes and night sweats can definitely happen in perimenopause, particularly during those periods of low estrogen state. Perimenopause can be separated if you want to get fancy into early perimenopause and late perimenopause. Now, perimenopause in general is not defined by any lab work. It is defined clinically, which means I'm the clinician, I decide. So I always tell my patients, we are officially saying this is perimenopause, we're writing the ICD-10 code. It's defined by this change in symptoms that you see or feel. And puries are the most helpful. But not everyone has periods. Let's say you've had a hysterectomy, you've had an ablation, you have a progesterone-releasing IUD, so you don't get periods. It can make it a little bit more tricky, but hey, if you're not getting periods, great. Kudos for that, right? However, it's not defined by any particular lab. It is defined by a series of symptoms that you should be tracking. So the difference between early perimenopause and late perimenopause is probably more symptomatology if I was giving a lecture or lesson, I would say early perimenopause is defined by more frequent periods, more bleeding, heavier bleeding, clots all of a sudden and out of nowhere. Whereas late perimenopause is when you start going three months without a period, six months without a period, maybe two in a row, and then again, three months without a period. So periods are becoming more spaced out, your hormones are really starting to settle into that low state where you live in menopause. And early perimenopause is some of the very first signs that your period is becoming more irregular or heavier, and that means that your hormones are starting to flux a little bit compared to the dance they were doing pre-menopausally. Now, what if you can't use your periods? Okay, you need to start looking for some other subtle signs and symptoms. So the name of the game for perimenopause and menopause, but the name of the game in perimenopause is really being mindful about your symptoms. What seems to be quite classic in perimenopause is going to bed at night and worrying and then your change in sleep, change in sleep. A lot of my patients, one of my patients, you know, said, oh gosh, I used to love to sleep. I protected my sleep. I loved my sleep. I loved getting in bed and cozying up and falling right asleep and just going off to la-la land. And I just can't do that anymore. I get in bed, I start worrying, I toss and turn, and then I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm kind of hot I, I, and then I'm just up. And then I'm worrying again and you know the next night before when I go to bed I'm like, "Ugh, this is just going to be a horrible night again." That cycle of terrible nights starts to ensue. And this whether you call it insomnia or tossing and turning, it, it, it is very, very bothersome. It's super super disruptive because then what happens during the day you're not getting good sleep, so you've got mood disorders, crankiness, irritability, brain fog, low motivation, weight gain. A bunch of things, and maybe not all of those things. It's not that all of these things happen and your life is uh, totally taking a turn for the worse, but certainly these things, when not looked at through the lens, I would say, of perimenopause, because I'm totally biased. I think hormones are a big culprit for a lot of things. It can seem like all of these things are sort of falling apart. Your body is falling apart and you don't know why. And I'm here to help you put those things together. And actually, in all truth, most women are pretty aware of this. Um, It could be selection bias. The people that come to see me are already thinking about this. That's why they booked an appointment with a, a midlife and menopause doctor. So actually, I should not assume that almost everyone can put this together. The other things that start to happen in perimenopause is bloating, changes in the way your clothes feel, changes in the way your body feels. And this also seemingly comes out of nowhere. A lot of women feel like they've had a really good either exercise routine or eating routine, or they feel like it's been terrible and crappy, but it hasn't really caught up to them yet. And this is really when it catches up to you. So body changes, especially changes in the midsection, which is not even a vanity thing. It's more just a comfort thing, are really, really, uh, really, really common so this bloating is such, such a pain. It, it can lead to, you know, not just clothes feeling uncomfortable or buying new clothes, but self-esteem issues, sexual health issues, going to the doctor more, having testing done, getting a colonoscopy. You know, these are not outlandish things. These are things I see women go through all the time when they notice changes in their body, particularly, the, you know, bloating or gas or constipation. It's really, really, it's really difficult. People will change their entire diets around. Now they're eating different things in their family and they're cooking two different things. And again, everything has like every reaction has a counteraction. I forget how that saying goes. Every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction, something like that. But every everything really affects this domino effect, particularly for women in midlife when they're busy and they're working or they have families or they have children or they have houses or they have, you know, people that they have to look after. It's very, very difficult. Other things that I start to see uh, is changes in mood. So irritability, not just necessarily because sleeping is thrown off, but just in general, women will tell me all the time, I'm snapping at my children, I'm snapping at my partner, I'm snapping at my coworkers, I'm snapping at my parents, and it's just not like me. When I was a clinician in Columbus, I had a nun come to see me. I kid you not. And she said, I am just swearing. And this is not me at all but there seems to be almost like this shorter fuse or the coping mechanisms that used to help people are not working anymore. I also see a lot of uh, mental health uh, psychologists who come to see me and um, they'll say, again, I I have so many good coping skills. I know exactly what makes me irritable. I know my triggers, but the things that I used to do are not working anymore. So these are really common. And it might not be just from changes in sleep, it really could be from the changes in hormones. There's this great book that I read way back in college called The Female Brain, and it really was a first book where I got this idea, and then I've seen it in practice for years and years and years afterwards, especially doing what I do, that the brain really, one, is very responsive to estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, particularly probably estrogen, and that when given the opportunity, the steady dose of hormones is actually its happy place, the brain's happy place. And in the female reproductive cycle, when not using any type of uh, birth control, sans the IUD, the hormones are constantly in flux. They're going up and down and up and down. So this idea that the brain really likes a steady state of estrogen almost never exists, except there are certain times within the cycle where the brain gets a little bit of the steady state of estrogen. One is actually during your period towards the end of your period. It's funny because a lot of women will say, once I get my period, I feel so much better, right? It's the leading up to the period. It's the PMS. That's actually when your estrogen level is coming down and, and decreasing. And perimenopause, we call this crashing. It is just crashing down. And that volatility really bothers the brain. During your period, those levels start to steady out of estrogen up until about the first week of your period or seven days after where estrogen starts to slowly increase again up to ovulation. Most women don't particularly find that second, the first week uh, after they're bleeding to be bothersome. So the estrogen starting to increase. Is it that estrogen is good for the brain or is it a more subtle increase? For some women, it does bother them. Then week two, you have ovulation. And there's also a little bit of a steady state during the week of ovulation. So during that week, some people find it irritating. Sometimes they actually will tell me they feel sort of pelvic pain or they can feel themselves ovulating. I was never one of those people. My sister swears she can. I'd love to know if you're one of those people who like definitely knows when you're ovulating or has no idea. I am the one that has no idea. But during that week of ovulation, there is a little bit of steady state again. Then week three, that estrogen level comes back down. We call that the crash. There's a lot of PMS. There's a lot of progesterone that's released. There's bloating. There's acne. There's menstrual migraines. There's cravings, etc., cetera, insomnia, night sweats, especially as you get into perimenopause and those ups and downs are even more volatile than that week of your period where a lot of people do start to feel better and those levels start to steady out. Now, again, even in perimenopause, that week of your period, which used to be a little bit of a break from the volatility in hormones, especially if the bleeding now starts to pick up, which happens because I think it's kind of like Fireworks at the end of the show, it just goes out with a bang. And so, if you're having all these heavy bleeding or prolonged bleeding, now you're also just having, you know, anemia or buying pads and tampons or changing them all the time or constantly feeling yourself bleeding. And that is quite irritating. All of these things are what make perimenopause a completely different physiological and emotional experience compared to menopause which is why I really need to make the case for my agent that I should probably write another book, but she's like probably going to say like, my God, please just finish this one. But I really do. I think perimenopause is so different. So I hope I've explained why it's so different than menopause, why the hormones are really different than menopause, how those hormones equate to symptoms such as change in periods, anxiety, insomnia, but other body changes and other things also the mood swings very very common. So what can you do? I probably don't have enough time in this show to talk about treatments for perimenopause. Maybe I'll do that in a part 2. So this will be perimenopause part 1 and and talk about treatment options for perimenopause part 2 because there's lots of different things that you can do. But the most important thing that you can do is to track your symptoms. It's really to track your symptoms. Why? Because again, remember the diagnosis is not made by any lab. In fact, labs are, I don't want to say, I will just say like not particularly useful. They're useful over time, they're useful retrospectively, like a few years down the road, but they're not particularly useful in the time. It's really your symptoms that make and cinch the diagnosis. And if you have a good, menopause perimenopause midlife clinician kind of helping you through this those symptoms are what will dictate what's going to be the best treatment option for you. So symptoms are so so important. So what can you do? I there's a couple things I mean well, there's two things you write them down or you pen and paper or you use an app. The balance app, which is created by Dr. Louise. Louise Newsome in the UK, who's been on my show before. Nope, I've been on her show before. Actually, she's never been on my show. I got to get her on my show. She created an app called the Balance App, which a lot of my patients really like and use. It's a really quick way to track your symptoms. So you can use an app. If you want to use pen and paper, I would grab like one of those calendars where you can actually see the month in just like those two pages because you want to see if there are any cyclic types of symptoms. Like right before my period, I'm in... I'm not sleeping at all. I'm having tons of hot flashes and painful sex. Okay, that's really, really helpful. Maybe you need a treatment during that week. Maybe it's starting to linger all the time. Maybe your periods are really, really spacing out. But because we're so busy in perimenopause, it's really hard to sit and track your symptoms. But that is probably the most vital is tracking your symptoms. So find any way you can to track your symptoms. And then also think about if there's any triggers for things like alcohol is a big trigger. Spicy food can be a trigger. Um, it, coworkers can be a trigger. I'm sorry, but it's just so common. It's just life. Those things can definitely be triggers for any of your symptoms. So write them down. Note what they are because how you will be treated is so directly correspondent to your symptoms and how they cycle or how they don't cycle. So that's the most important thing that I could tell you to do is start to be mindful about your symptoms and start tracking them. And then I say this to my patients, and I want to find a way to say this that isn't like the silver lining, but one of the nice things about being mindful about perimenopause is that it will help make the transition into menopause so much easier, because you are starting to realize the impact that changing hormones has on your entire body and also then how you outwardly present yourself to the world. And if you start to nail this now, you're going to have an easier transition from perimenopause through menopause. So it's really, really helpful to realize that you are in perimenopause in some ways as opposed to just randomly going about the world having no idea how these symptoms could at all be connected or what they're related to and not have time to deal with them it's really really important to do so and the other thing i've found is that some women who have a lot of sensitivity to the volatility in hormones i.e. perimenopause sometimes do a little bit better in menopause And some women who sailed through perimenopause because the volatility just didn't bother them, it was really more the decline and then the eventual, you know, no to low production of hormones have a more difficult time in menopause. So it doesn't always mean that you're just going to be miserable for the next decade. And I want to leave you with one last thing here, which is when does this all occur? Well, statistics say that the average age of perimenopause in the United States is 47. And I think it's probably earlier than that much earlier than that. Symptoms can last up to 10 years. So even if your last period is at 50, your symptoms often can start in the early 40s. And it's usually subtle at first. But a lot of us women who are pretty mindful or proactive or who really do track will notice these symptoms right away. And sort of think like, Am I too young? Is this wild? Is this crazy? And we just have barely scratched the surface on doing research in menopause, postmenopausal hormone therapy, etc., that we have not even touched perimenopause, which is what it is. But I think symptoms very often start much earlier than we have been told as a society. We haven't been told anything, but symptoms probably start a lot earlier. So, if you are noticing these things in your late thirties in your forties does does it mean that menopause is around the corner? We don't know. Symptoms can last up to ten years. The average length of symptoms is probably two to four years, or maybe we could even land on four. but there's so much that we don't know about midlife and menopause. There's so much that we we don't know, but you're never too early. that's why tracking and journaling your symptoms, personalizing this, individualizing this is really, really helpful. And that's sometimes why trialing treatment is really, really helpful. If anything, it's not only diagnostic of perimenopause, but it of course can be therapeutic. So very often I'm telling my patients, I see no reason not to do this because one, it will help us decide if it is a hormonal etiology that's causing this versus let's say you know, an autoimmune disease like celiacs or Crohn's disease that's brewing. I'm just throwing out a random example. Um, so it's a little bit of a diagnostic. And if it works and you feel better, it's also therapeutic. So there's so much to be said about per- menopause. I totally think it deserves its own book. Um, and I, I, I just kind of like my book, Unlock Your Menopause Type. I think there are different perimenopause types. Um, and so my little my little wheels are just churning. All right. We will do part two next week. We will talk about how do you treat your perimenopausal symptoms. And I hope you guys have a wonderful start of 2023. I'm really excited about this year because I have been working on this book for about three years at this point. And I can't wait for it to actually, actually be on shelves, actually hold it, actually hear what you guys think about um, the different types, what type you are, um, treatment options, and all of those things. So anyways, you can check it out. You can check it out on Amazon, but more to come this year. I'm sure I will completely just bombard you with stuff about my book, but thank you so much if you've been supporting me on the show and you've been a listener for years and years and years. Thank you so much. And if you're new here, thank you and welcome. We're excited to have you as a part of the community. All right, guys, with that, I will see you next week. Bye, everyone. you